0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 18th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiamanini.
1: And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves.
0: Ashley, on the episode today, we are going to cap off this week with an interview that I did uh, just a couple days ago with the director and choreographer, Lee Sunday Evans. She is also the artistic director of Waterwell, which is an organization or a, a performing arts group that we've talked about uh, many times. They mm-hmm. had their. Um, I don't think we can call it a hit, but a, a incredibly well-received show, uh, The Courtroom, which Lee directed. Their yeah. next venture is called June Rights, and it actually begins performances tonight outdoors at... Uh, Governor's Island. So nice. we will have all the details about that uh, in the interview. It's a very interesting piece. It's not exactly a narrative piece. It's kind of a ritual, um, a movement, a, a a visual art piece. Uh, but we get into all of that with Lee at the end of the episode, and of course we will have links to how you can get tickets and get to Governor's Island in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. Of course... That's not the only exciting thing that we have coming up, because, Ashley, lest you forget... Oh, I
1: did. Clearly.
0: You, Grace, and I will be taking over uh, the big boy chairs as we sit in for this week (laughs) on Broadway. Um, We will be talking about the hbo streaming versions of oslo and in the heights in the heights is obviously also uh, available in the movie theaters you mm-hmm. should go see it on the big screen True. if you can uh we'll talk about some other stuff going on maybe some uh uh you know maybe what we think might be going into some of these theaters that are still technically vacant mm-hmm on the main stem but you can follow along and listen to this conversation live i will be checking in with the patreon chat during the broadcast so if you want to listen live head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. It's going to be
1: fun. I'm going to be extremely yeah. tired. It's going to be 10 mm. in the morning. That's a lot.
0: When aren't you extremely tired though?
1: Like one hour <laughs> every afternoon and that's about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. yeah, very good. Or
1: like four in the morning when I should be in- asleep.
0: Yeah, I am uh, a, a, turning into a night owl more and more. So uh, no bueno, mm, but mm, kind mm. of kind of bueno. If that's my natural cycle. There but you go. Anyway, Ashley, let's start with some news from the great White Way, as yesterday it was announced that David Burns' American Utopia had decided to move about a block over on 44th Street as they are leaving their previously announced home at the Hudson Theater, where they played their initial run starting in 2019, and now will be taking over the St. James Theater. They're still staying on September 17th, which is when they were originally going to begin performances at the Hudson. Uh, now they will be following the end of Springsteen on Broadway's return, which I guess it means this time the boss is not extending the uh his run like he did multiple times initially. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier this week, Ashley, you and I posited that perhaps Plaza Suite would be heading into the Hudson in the spring following America Utopia American Utopia's run. Now that obviously still mm-hmm. could happen, but these changes all happen for a reason. And there's uh-huh. a number of different reasons that it could be. But this does open up the possibility for Plaza Suite, or I guess any other show, but I can't imagine why. Sunday in the Um, Park
1: with George again. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Uh, I don't think it is, (laughs) but it could be.
0: Uh, Annalie Ashford has a TV show that she films in Los Angeles, so don't think that's going to happen. be
1: doing the London version sometime this century, so who knows.
0: Which is not happening because of Annalee (sighs) Ashford's TV show that she films in Los Angeles, but that means The Hudson is available uh, beginning now, I guess. Um, And could this move be because some show, whether it's a Plaza Suite or not, want the intimate Hudson? Probably. Uh, who, who knows? I would just guess on Plaza Suite coming in the fall, um, since we already know that's probably where they want to be. Of course. Yeah, definitely. This move could also be just simply about money, as the Hudson has 734 fewer seats than the St James, and judging by how well American Utopia sold in its initial Broadway one, I would not be surprised if that 's partially what prompted the move you know a block is that west a block west um, on forty fourth Street yes. actually and the thing is, we talked about Plaza Suite going in the Hudson. If American Utopia, which has extended multiple times in the past, is now a bigger cultural phenomenon because of HBO Max, right. if they wanted to stay on Broadway at the Hudson, they couldn't do that. Now, at the St. James, there's nothing scheduled afterwards, so
1: who knows what might be going on there. The producer's revival. <laughs> I'm only programming gonna... based on my interests, clearly. Yeah. the only things yeah. I care about. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I was gonna say, based on like the fact that American Utopia had its filmed version, I'm actually really surprised that they ended up transferring it to a larger theater. I would, personally i would think they, they would be more interested in doing it in a smaller theater at that point and running as long as possible but the fact that they were doing it in the hudson theater which as we've already talked about uh plaza suite does want to be there they originally announced like they were going to do in the spring and then things got held back even further and now we don't really have a date for that i would kind of assume that they were aiming for a spring start again but yeah, honestly that's what we said yeah but honestly who knows at this point like if I, I would be very surprised if they kept the Hudson open until the spring. Like that doesn't seem like a right. financially viable move, but they did just, you know, redo the Hudson and have big owners behind it. So maybe they don't need to keep it booked as much as they previously would have. Um,
0: the other thing to consider is I know that Sarah Jessica Parker is currently filming the Sex in the
1: City reboot, reboot yeah. of Sex in
0: the City. How long is that going to take? Could it just be going through maybe August and they can? Yeah, open that's up? not
1: going to take a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, it can. You know, I don't know how many episodes it is—six, eight, ten episodes. Um Could they get that done in three, four months and then yeah. Plaza Suite open in October? Easily. Easy, Maybe Easily so they're, that-
1: they're already filming And they've been Kind of like Announcing casting As they've gone along While they've been filming There's like new stuff That keeps coming out Every week Of like So and so is returning To Sex and the City revival It's like Alright So they've been filming She's been spotted Filming around So I don't know How far into it They are But they've definitely Started Which means Let's say A 12 episode Season Will probably take About 2-3 months Not to mention that they've been ready to do this show for like two years now, <laughs> like Plaza Suite for about two years now at this yeah. point. Like, it's not, it's gonna take like, you know, probably a, a month of rehearsal anyway, but I'm sure, I'm sure I mean, she's prepared. They can run lines in bed. They're exactly. Fun. Exactly. It's not going to take much. Um, so I could easily see them going, easily see Sarah Jessica Parker going from Sex and the City into Plaza Suite. No problem. So it's really just a matter of, you know, financial viability of what they want to put in the Hudson either ahead of that or keep it open or if that's just going to go in right away, even though it seems like it would be a better fit for a spring show.
0: Uh, my guess is that. The Hudson reopens in the fall at some point with Plaza Suite. Mm. And then we see um, uh, American Utopia just run at the St. James until it closes. When it It initially announced for the Hudson, it was supposed to run September 17th through January 16th. In the press release that they sent out today, it did say that they were going to be opening... Uh, at the St. James, still onto the September seventeenth mm-hmm. date, but they did not mention a closing date, which I don't think is a mistake. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so we will see. All right, Ashley, let's take a real quick break and talk about our sponsor for this week, ExpressVPN. Um, as I said earlier this week, uh, I. I've always been semi-tech savvy. I'm a Gen X m- ancient millennial ancient or whatever they call me. Millennial. geriatric <laughs> millennial. So I was on the beginning of the internet age. I remember getting the AOL dial-up thing for the Ooh, first time. Yes. So I've always You've kind of mail. known. I, yes, I did. And I've always kind of known how to deal with technology. But as things have gotten more and more complicated, I've learned less and less. And I feel like I'm always a little bit behind the curve. But... With ExpressVPN, they take care of everything I need to know when it comes to internet security. They make sure that I am protected when I go online and. That's really helping me stay safe, especially as we hear about more and more cyber attacks and stealing and phishing every single day online. Yeah,
1: yeah. as you mentioned, things are getting much more complicated when it comes to like your online existence. Internet service providers like Comcast and Verizon, they know every single website you visit. And ISPs can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who use your data to target you. ExpressVPN helps put a stop to this.
0: When it comes to saying secure online, ExpressVPN is your best option, which is why they are rated the number one VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and of course, Broadway Radio. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the rest of the worldwide webs so that no one else can see what you are doing online. It's incredibly easy to use. Fire up the app. Click one button. It works on phones, tablets, laptops, smart TVs, even routers. So when you've got people coming in and crashing on your couch for the weekend, (laughs) they can be protected too.
1: It's happening. My dad's on his way. He's going to be able to protect himself with ExpressVPN on his laptop as well. You mentioned the ease. That's one of the biggest reasons why we love it. Like you said, you can do it across all devices, laptops, tablets, even on routers. Anyone who shares your Wi-Fi is protected. And we've talked about in the past, I mean, we are a theater podcast that you can access uh, other shows from other countries. So want to get into national theater stuff, you can do it with one click of a button just that easy.
0: Absolutely. That's the best. So secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash radio today.
1: That's EXPRESSVPN.com dot slash Broadway Radio, and you can get an extra three months free.
0: One more time, that's expressvpn.com dot slash Broadway Radio. All right, Ashley, let's get back into the news. The other thing about Broadway that we heard that came up on Thursday is that Springsteen on Broadway has made the decision that they will not only require that all audience members be vaccinated, but that those audience members must have been vaccinated with one of the three treatments authorized by the FDA, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Now, the vast majority of vaccinated Americans, unless they participated in a clinical trial for one of the other drugs that's still in the pipeline (laughs) or went overseas or out of the country to get vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. They should be fine. Most Americans that are vaccinated should be fine, but travelers from other countries, including Canada spots in Europe, Asia, and even Australia who have been vaccinated with the very popular AstraZeneca jab will not be eligible to attend performances at the aforementioned St. James theater. When they begin a week from tomorrow, on june 26th there's been quite an uproar about this online actually yeah. <laughs> but but if i'm being honest i just i i, I
1: can't get too can't, worked up about it i can't be bothered to care but to be no, fair i have neither. pfizer so me too yeah i do too and, and <laughs> yeah I Pfizer have, Squad.
0: <laughs> i i have pfizer and no interest to pay yeah, I, was super say, expensive. I have yeah.
1: pfizer and no money so that's fine yeah.
0: Yeah, but the Springsteen on Broadway website says that the decision was made, quote, at the direction of New York State. So I wonder if this would be the case for all Broadway shows if they were to open in June. Um, And but, you know, honestly, while this might mean that some super rich people from other countries are shut out of seeing Springsteen on Broadway, it's it's just a bunch of super rich people from America, whatever. Yeah. Um, I have to think that, like, by the time most Broadway shows start reopening in September, and I know there's there's some that are going to open before that, but like by September, I kind of feel like they're going to get this straightened out. Mm-hmm. I'm not super worried about it. So shrug emoticon. Pretty I much. don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the thing. We just got the go ahead of like you can reopen pretty much everything at this point. So things are going to change. You know, they're going to change huh. a lot between now and you know, say beginning of September. So this is really like. Springsteen is kind of like the test dummy here of like what a Broadway reopening is going to look like with multiple shows. So we're, And we're still on a point where we have to be as safe as possible. I feel like this is the best move. Of course, people are mad about it. People are mad about everything online. So just one more thing to the pile, but I'd rather us be more safe than not right now. Yeah,
0: I, I, I just don't care. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel bad for those people who want to see it. And I hope that, you know, that this Broadway can't survive if this is going to be the way that we do it moving forward. Yeah. Like, they need international tourists, but like, to see Bruce Springsteen, who the show is, the show's streaming on Netflix. So, like, it just.
1: Watch it there. Yeah, if I you're in Canada, you can use ExpressVPN and watch it on U.S. Netflix or whatever. Very well done. Thanks. <laughs> very, very well done.
0: <laughs> All right, Ashley, I'm going to run through some other quick news stories for everybody before we get to the interview. First up, it was announced yesterday that Mike berbiglia's new show, The Old Man in the Pool, will premiere at Berkeley Rep beginning on January 4th. Directed by his longtime collaborator, Seth Barrish, the show is described as, quote, a tale of life, death, and berbiglia's visits to a highly chlorinated YMCA pool weird Um, and it is described (laughs) as a rumination on middle age that celebrates life while making detours into pizza math pulmonary tests and glass jars of peanut M&M's Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) Next, we learned yesterday that Jeremy O'Harris will continue his work as a producer as he will present a streaming production of the new Dark Satire Off-Broadway, that's the name of the show, beginning on January 24th via online streamer Broadstream. The show is written by Tori Townsend and is directed by playwright and Slave Play director Robert O'Hara. The show will be available from the 24th through 27th and will be free, but you must register ahead of time. The cast will include both Dylan and Becky Ann Baker. Always great to see them doing stuff together. Jessica Francis Duke, Hal Linden, Richard Kind, and more. And finally, on June 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a host of stars, including Broadway's Alex Newell, Todd Rick Hall, and Michael James Scott, will participate in This Is Me, colon, Pride Celebration Spectacular. The concert will be streamed via Disney Plus's YouTube and Facebook channels and will, quote, celebrate its community of LGBTQ plus creators, employees, and fans. Uh, actually good for disney i mean they own like a bazillion tv and streaming yeah they own a bazillion tv and streaming channels so i'm not sure why this has to go on youtube and facebook only but
1: okay sure why not also still always weird to me of like disney doing pride stuff which i'm happy for it just still feels very weird to me
0: yeah i let me just say i live in central florida i know a lot of people who um work at disney they have a lot of gay employees. I mean, just, wow, just, weird. Just it's saying. almost
1: like we're everywhere, even Disney. <laughs> yeah,
0: even though they tried <laughs> to deny it for decades and generations. Uh, anyway, before we get into the interview, Ashley, I want to mention uh, a feel-good recommendation, and this was absolutely delightful. I think I've talked about Christy Altamar's new album that she released a few uh, a few months so, yeah. ago. Um, I loved it. It's really good I've never I don't think I've ever seen Christy Altamar perform I didn't see her in Anastasia I might have seen her do something at 54 I don't remember uh. um, but she released a new video for her song Freedom Inside and it was filmed in a park somewhere in New York but what was cool about it was that it was filmed with one take and it was kind of like those old videos we saw of when um uh, the the whole flash mob thing was really big, and oh, yeah. so it was really cool to see. Like, she has a bunch of dancers doing it, and like they kind of are running around the park. Um, uh, I don't know if it's Central Park or not, but it, it was done with one, uh, with one take. It was very very cool. Um, it's from our album Wandering Bird. We will have a link in the show notes. Uh, I really really enjoyed it, and I recommend the album as well. All right, Actually, as I promised at the top of the show, we are now going to talk to Lee Sunday Evans about the Waterwell production of June Rights that is kicking off on Governor's Island today. Well, Lee, Waterwell does such important and, and interesting civic-minded stuff, and we've actually talked about uh, the courtroom on here a lot over the years, but for people who might have forgotten over the past year plus of there not being uh, any theater of any sort or maybe aren't familiar in the first place. Can you give people the overview of what the mission of Waterwell is?
2: Sure. So Waterwell is a company that was founded in 2002 by Tom Ridgely and Arian Moyed. And they've created a number of original works over the years. Um, And then um, in in the end of 2018, I stepped in as artistic director, and we've kind of built on a lot of really incredible things that, that Tom and Arian did at the company and um, also expanded and kind of evolved some of those things. And what our mission is, is um, to really gather and cultivate this group of artists, a group of educators, and a group of producers to come together and create work that is wrestling With really complex civic questions, complex questions about our society, about um, how we live together in community, and that we're telling those stories with the highest kind of caliber of um, artistic sophistication and kind of engrossing storytelling. So that's really what we are hoping to do at Waterwell.
0: And how did the um, the ideas for June Rights, which is coming up starting on June 18th at Governor's Island, how did those ideas start to form out of this mission for what Waterwell uh, is trying to do?
2: You know, in the very dark moments of... The end of 2020, as we were going back into the dark, cold winter, we were talking a lot at Waterwell about you know what other stories we wanted to tell and what other work that we wanted to make. We had a, we have a number of projects in development for live performance, and we didn't feel that it was right to convert any of those particular projects into a digital format. And so, we actually felt that the most compelling thing that we could try to figure out how to do during that time of kind of dormancy and paralysis and uncertainty was to think about when live performance does start to come back, it's clearly going to be a bit of a, there's going to be kind of an on-ramp period um, Hmm. as we start to, to be able to go back into theaters. But what will we need when we come out of this experience? What will We need here in New York City? What are things that we'll want as as ways to gather, as ways to re-enter back into live performance? And so I started um, kind of circling around the idea that I wanted to create something that was actually really driven by visual ideas as opposed to by narrative ideas. And so Um, I did something that I've always wanted to do, but I've never never embarked on this kind of process before where I started out by commissioning two designers, um, Hmm. Austa, Benny Hostetter, and Mariana Sanchez, um, who are both brilliant, brilliant, brilliant designers. And so the idea was asking the two of them to join me in a process of creating a script and an idea for what this piece would be that was really driven by, by visual ideas, by visual design Um, as a way to create a public event, a communal experience that would be associative and kind of have some poetic elements to it rather than driven by character or story or narrative. Um, And I think that the impulse behind that was a feeling that, you know, I wasn't really interested in making work directly about COVID or about the pandemic, but that We'd all had such divergent experiences across the city and in our personal lives and our families and our communities and the people we work with. We'd all had such wildly different experiences of how COVID had impacted us that I did have this craving to make something that would give us all a chance to be gather to be together and have some opportunity to kind of associatively like reflect and and process some of that experience through a kind of joyful, creative, surprising, engrossing, kind of infectious live performance. And so, yeah, it was really, it was really born. (laughs) It was really born in that very dark period of winter, you know, imagining what, what would it be like when we come back and, and then thinking through some of it from, um, you know, kind of what will the parameters be at that point? You thinking about, you know, let's do something, um, outdoors and let's do something that's like incredibly, um, nimble and incredibly facile so that we can adapt to what the parameters are for, for when we do come back to live performance and also thinking about what could truly be a public space. So, um, you know, how could we create a public space, kind of reactivate a public space in New York City that has a relationship to our city, to this place um, that's been through this kind of incredible, you know, gauntlet over over this past time, and, and how could performance be part of bringing us back out of our homes and into these public shared spaces again?
0: Yeah, and it, I've read the the script presentation of of what June writes will be, and it's it, it, it's really it, I, I obviously haven't seen it yet. Performances haven't started, but like it's just very visceral and cathartic to kind of see the ebbs and flows of this story, as and it feels almost like it's a it's a shared group catharsis to end this. You know the the darkness that you talked about coming out of the pandemic. It, it really feels like this could be a a launching point to get people reacclimated to being in society, let alone in a, in a performance space.
2: Yeah, that's great. That's really great. You know, I, I think the other part of the impulse to create it was around the idea of this very, very, very ancient process of having rituals in the spring Mm -hmm. and the summer that, you know, humans have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. Um, And obviously we still have in contemporary society in different ways, but ways of recognizing that moment of coming out of a dark, hard winter where you're rationing and you are, you know, isolated, and you're, um, you know, you're, you're kind of conserving energy in this way, and then you enter into this period of incredible uh, um, abundance and growth and um, the sense of, you know, this kind of new cycle beginning. And so, I was interested in what this, what our relationship would be to that season changing this year in particular, since you know um as city city um <laughs> people who live in the <laughs> city we're not always completely you know our relationship to nature and the changing of seasons is a little bit different but you know i grew up um kind of partly in a pretty rural area and so you know the the changing of those seasons you have a different relationship to them and i thought you know this year um that that will be different so it's also you know the idea of rights, rites is kind of deeply you know, just in dialogue yeah. with that idea of the rites of spring and um kind of what those those rituals are that um we're we're kind of playing with and upending and deconstructing a little bit in this piece.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that this was inspired more by visual storytelling as opposed to the narrative storytelling and all of the press materials call it a live performance and it it doesn't read like a play exactly i mentioned a script but it it doesn't read like dialogue and stage directions instead of this idea it, how can you describe what june writes is for an audience member who's coming like ah i might want to you know venture out to governor's island uh, to experience this firsthand
2: yeah it's a great question you know I would say that it's um, it's a it's a dance theater piece that these four incredible performers um, are incredible dancers and also incredible clowns and incredible physical performers and they are um, accompanied by two brilliant brilliant percussionists mm-hmm. who are creating live percussion alongside the sequence um, of a, of June writes which is a series of. Um, movement and images that definitely has a journey to it um although it's not necessarily a linear story and the unfolding kind of contextualization of those images as you watch them kind of unfold one after the other is is pretty um is kind of at the core of the core of what we're making and and what i would say is that um it's hopefully a journey towards essentially what the bulk of June rights is a, is a celebration. Um, And so that's, that's where we kind of end and we kind of invite people to come to the performance as being part of that celebration of the resilience and this kind of moment of rebirth and, and growth and being able to return to these important connections in our lives, connections with our friends and family connections with the city connections with how the city is going to, um, kind of rebuild in some ways after this experience. So the celebration that's kind of at the heart of what the June Rites performance is, is a really celebratory music and dance kind of celebration of, of what this, this moment is.
0: And it, and it is important that the show is running or the piece is running from the 18th through the 27th. And there's various times on some of these days. But it's important, for I think, for people to realize that whatever time their ticketed time is, it actually starts beforehand and the performance, uh, whatever time kicks off, the performers will be on stage ahead of time, kind of opening up this dialogue that you're having uh, before the actual June rights proper begins.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Governor's Island, um, if you've never been there, it's just a really incredible opportunity to be in the city. There's an incredible amount of history there. It's very much a part of the city but also because it's not a place where we go every day and it's um, you know, we take a ferry um, from down by South ferry over, over to the Island every day. And um, it's a really, it's a really special place to, to, kind of step out of our daily routines of how we exist in the city, but also have this beautiful moment to kind of reflect on, on the city. You can see the skyline, um, and actually have this beautiful view of the Statue of Liberty, right from this field at the South end of the Island where we're performing. And, um, you know, when you're creating outdoor theater, you don't have, um, lots of the normal tools that you have in an actual venue and a theater space. So, um, the idea of how you reveal things, the idea of how you introduce the performers, the idea of how you start the show is, um, you have to kind of reinvent how you're going to, um, experience all those, uh, utilize all those conventions. So, um, when the audience arrives that the performers will be, in, in the space. And then as we all kind of gather, as the showtime starts, the, the kind of official performance will begin. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I, I don't think this is obviously not the first um, theater piece that is, you know, kind of starting in New York City, but it's one of the first. And after uh, this Friday, when it starts performances, we'll start to see waves of other things um, moving forward and reopening and Hopefully, um, as you said, as the parameters have changed even today as we're recording for New York, we won't see any backsliding on that. But in terms of coming out of this pandemic, especially for theater artists living in New York City, what role do you think that the theater can and should play in not only the economic, you know, reestablishment of a, of a lot of people in the community, but the emotional um, heavy lift that's going to happen for a lot of folks as they come out of a year plus year and a half of isolation in some form or another?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it'll be interesting for everyone who is a you know, um, connected to live performance in some way, whether it's theater or music or dance, you know, what it feels like for people to go back and be in an audience for the first time. Um, you know, what I hope is that we all, both artists who are making work and, you know, institutions who are supporting work and, and audiences who are coming and that we all kind of come back to it with renewed sense of how precious that, that kind of public space is, Um, you know, we need that space emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, to be able to um, ironically kind of be the most connected to ourselves and who we are and also have the opportunity to step out of ourselves and be um, connected to other people um, through what, through whatever piece of art that we're experiencing and the profound, the profound kind of transformative and reflective and, um, you know, kind of cathartic opportunity that we have in that kind of live performance just doesn't happen in other mediums, which are, you know, have their own power and their own role to play in our kind of, you know, connection to each other um, and our kind of health as a society. But, The creativity, the imagination, the depth of humanity, the complexity of humanity that we're able to experience in the theater, in live space, with each other in person is so deeply unique and really, really um, a a life force that I have missed greatly in in this time. And I, I hope that we are able to see what that, ecosystem in New York city in particular really needs in order to thrive and particularly, um, the kind of support that artists, particularly freelance artists need in order to be able to sustain themselves and be able to be the instigators and the creators of that work that we all rely on for that, that kind of galvanizing, um, life force that that's such a integral part of our, of our city.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll, well, I'll wrap it up and let you go on, on this question. You mentioned how precious and important, um, this thing we call, you know, live theater is, especially for those people who, who are creators. I just have to ask, what was it the first time, whether it was for this or something else, when you actually got back in a room with other people, even if it was with masks and socially distanced, but what was it like for you when you finally got the opportunity again for the first time? to to collaborate with other people and and make something and just get together and and do the work that you've been doing for years.
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I will say that, you know, I I was able to do some work in person in in the winter um but it was oh, actually great. on a film um and so it was a kind of an interesting corollary but 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 the the opportunity to be in a room and be collaborating with people is so deeply energizing, um, and all of the kind of um, all of the creativity and all of the collaborative potential that happens when you're in a room full of people who are all working together to to create um, to create a work of whether it be storytelling or some, something more um, nonlinear, or kind of associative, is. It's just a really incredible kind of relationship that you have with other people. And, and, and um, as much as you can get creative and innovative and, and so many incredible artists have um, doing that kind of work digitally, it, it was um, incredibly, incredibly clarifying and rejuvenating to get to be in a room with people um, making, making that collaborative work in real time
0: yeah that's fantastic well um we will have all of the information for uh, june rights available in the show notes and on our website and i wish you the best i hope i hope the rain stays away i maybe you have contingency plans in case it doesn't but um i i wish you the best with this and uh everything else you're working on and everything else that Waterwell has uh uh in the plans as well because it sounds like you all will be very busy for time to come now that uh Uh, in-person performances are opening back up.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Matt.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB. Matt, Ashley,
1: where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, no, this is Ashley. Don't forget, Ashley, Grace, oh, Matt,
0: Boy, this week on Broadway, 10 a.m. Eastern time on the, we are the squad. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen in live and send in questions and comments that I will be reading on air, head over to patreon.com slash Radio. Everybody have a wonderful Friday and Saturday. We will be back to talk to you on
1: Sunday. Weird.